0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote.
1: Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. We're broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on stadium 32.3133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337 706 0111. 337 706 0111 on this Tuesday. Man, seems like it's been a while since I've seen Dawson in the studio. It's been quite a while. It
2: has, almost a full week.
1: Yes. Um, I am kind of a creature of habit, and so while I can enjoy a little detour, I, I'm I'm most comfortable doing what I do most days. So it's 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 a little refreshing. I I need a I need a safe, uninhindered trip from my house to the radio station real soon, so my blood pressure don't go through the roof. But that seems that never seems to happen of late. All right, so. It really—I don't know if you got a chance to see it last night. It really was a great game between Mexico and Japan. I was hoping Mexico would win. I Are was you,
2: rooting for Japan. Actually, I mean,
1: you gotta come on now. You gotta gotta you gotta have a little loyalty to your hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the rivalries run well, deep. Where, in where the is hemisphere, hemisphere loyalty anymore?
2: Where did yeah, that go? Well. I don't know. I wanted to see Otani and uh, that group face the U.S., so oh, I was uh, happy with the result. Uh, but as you mentioned, one of the one of the better all around baseball
1: games I've seen in a very long time. I thought it of. was very good. Now you see, I we were having our fantasy draft Saturday, so we were following it. We kept saying, "Okay, what's the score? What's going on?" And someone would look it up and find it, but I didn't actually see Saturday's game. Supposedly that was a great game too. When when the USA oh, the US beat US Venezuela. Venezuela, yeah, that was fantastic yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Orchidi did okay. You know that Mexico kept stranding two and three runners for a fair amount of time, and, and they kept getting out of it. Um, it's just their bullpen really let them down. Giovano Gaigles, I mean, he was terrible last night. He, he had no, he had no command whatsoever, none.
2: Yeah, it, it it was, man, it was just back and forth, though. And that a Rosarena robbed the homer, I mean, that looked like that was going to be a huge moment in that game. And and then he, of course, did his stare down and stuff and then tried to fool play by play announcers as a young play by play guy. That was making me think of how you handle that situation, right? Because, and yeah, I think Joe Davis kind of does, he's fantastic, but like he, and he, I guess he kind of called it before you even saw it, but it was, it was awesome. I mean, a Rosarena was fantastic this whole tournament as well. And so, um, you had that. You had Mexico kind of in control throughout. Even when Japan tied it up, they retake the lead. It felt like they were going to pull it out, and then Japan gets the rally in the bottom of the ninth.
1: Yeah, when they when they answered right away and Verdugo got the RBI double, I'm like, well, maybe they are going to win this thing. I don't know. I just um, – they're a lot easier to handle. And the good thing about Mexico is they weren't considered – like this favorite, because I just I just hate when the announcers build these people's like they do quarterbacks just larger than life. Like I it was so awesome they built this pitcher up like he was the greatest pitcher of all time. And then little bitty Luis Arias hits a three run home run against him. That was awesome. I mean, I just love that. I mean, he's a major league player. It's not like he's a donkey, but but, you know, he's just an average to below-average major league player. He's a starter, but he's not, like, a really good player. And he hits three-run home run off this, you know, supposed best pitcher in the history of the sport.
2: Well, the guy was electric. I mean, I will say. And, um, you know, there's there's conversation, of course, like the the way the signing bonus pool works for international free agents. I think it's advantageous for him to wait till he's 25, but he could go early the way Shohei did, so... That's kind of going to be the net, the conversation around him I guess cuz I think he has expressed a desire to play in the major leagues but um I mean he was hitting 100 100 I think he hit 100 on all but one fastball he threw the guy so, uh,
1: who followed him But he's only
2: 21 again. Right. So. The
1: guy who followed him is a more polished pitcher. You could tell by the way he pitched. Uh it was a more polished pitcher. He doesn't have the raw stuff that what's his name? Sasaki has. But but no, he he uh he 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 was a more polished pitcher. No, it's it was a great game. Um, I don't know. I, I think Merrill Kelly is—he's not a household name. He's expected starter, from what I understand, for the USA team tonight. He's not a household name, but I think he's a good pitcher. You never know how they're gonna, you know, throw, especially this early. But no, look, great atmosphere again last night. Great game. What the, I thought I read that the finals were in Chicago, but they're in Miami.
2: Yeah, they're not in Chicago. I don't
1: know where I read. I thought that the finals were in Chicago, but it's it's Miami, which which makes sense because you've got all the, you know, Puerto Rico and Cuba and you know all the Latin American, Dominican Republic, all right there, and it's probably Miami's a pretty international city anyway. So it is uh, that makes sense. I um, which how about.
2: None of those countries, as well, uh, making it to the semifinal round was surprising to me. Now, the the way that the pools were stacked with the regional stuff, I think, it's a little unfair. I'd like to see them maybe revisit. There's a couple things. I love this event, and I I hope it's only getting bigger and going to be better when it comes back. There are some things I'd like to change. The scheduling, for one, makes no sense at all, not even close. And the way they did the pools, I know they did it regionally, and I guess that's maybe a, I don't know if it's a cost-cutting measure or whatever it is, but... I felt like some of the teams like the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico um, maybe didn't get quite a fair shake the way the U.S. And and Venezuela, they're all in the same pool. Yeah, so Venezuela ends up coming out of it. That's a brutal pool, yeah. Right, so uh, U.S. and Mexico end up getting out of that pool that was much easier to get out of than than some of the other ones were.
1: Now, to be fair, that's kind of how pro sports, that's how baseball works. I mean, if you're in a tough, you have tougher divisions than other divisions. Works that way in the NFL, works that way. In Major League Baseball as well. I mean, if you win your division, you're in. So it's not, you know, unlike normal sports. But yeah, it it it's um, to say, oh, what's wrong with Dominican Republic? They didn't even get out of pool. Well, they probably would have got out of any other other pools. They yeah. just weren't didn't get out of the stocked one that they're in.
2: So Japan's going to throw. Uh, now this is interesting because there was an initial report that was going around that Yu Darvish was going to start. But uh, it's now kind of looking like they're going to go a different direction. They're going to start Shota Imanaga. Um, but you'd imagine Darvish is available if he was rumored to be starting. And then, of course, Shohei, it sounds like he's not going to pitch, but the manager wouldn't rule him out. And Shohei said he'll be ready if available. Um, but he did mention that he's DHing, so it'll be a little tough for him to find time to try to get warm if they want to use him on the mound, um, which, I don't know, it feels like during an inning while you're not batting would be an easy time yeah. to warm up. But... Um, I also imagine the Angels are uh, not too excited about the potential of Shohei pitching in this game, but I hope he does pitch. I, I want to see the best on best, and again, I, that's why I wanted Japan to Oh, I just want
1: to win. See, I don't care about all that. I just want to win.
2: Well, I mean, it, it would be different if I didn't feel like the U.S. was kind of the overwhelming favorites going into this thing, which I guess I shouldn't say overwhelming because they're I think not, Japan
1: but. was the odds on. I think, the but, more, wasn't Japan the betting favorite? Maybe so, but the U.S. just has so much more firepower
2: in the lineup, and maybe a lot of the pitching concerns kind of led to that, and that's fair, but we'll see what Merrill Kelly can do. Again, though, he's not going to go, because you have an 80-pitch max anyway, even if you wanted to throw him 80 pitches, so he's only going to give you maybe four or five innings in a best-case scenario, so right. that'll be interesting. I mean, the U.S. is going to have to have guys come behind him and pitch well.
1: So who is likely to follow? Like I, I haven't paid that close attention to the how their bullpen rotations go, and, and yeah, and... I,
2: that's a good question. I mean, they've done it a little bit differently throughout, also because you saw them. I mean, they started Adam Wainwright in the semifinals, a forty-one-year-old pitcher who also gave up, a, you know, loaded the bases up and didn't look very sharp in the first inning, and then settled in and pitched great. So. I mean, it you, seems
1: like you could five for it in 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 this format, but you don't see that happening very. I often. guess in a best case
2: scenario, I mean, you'll see what happens. I guess Lynn's available, right? Because he pitched
1: back in the quarterfinals, so he's. No, enough. he pitched. He pitched Saturday, didn't he? Whenever yeah. they, he was the guy who broke right. Altuve's. Yeah. Thumb.
2: Wow, well, it's gonna he be throws a yeah. Heavy well, ball. so
1: but yeah, so.
2: But I still think he's had enough rest to be available, based on the thing. But I guess they're probably not going to do that to a guy who's starting and going to be starting in the major leagues. In no, a I don't.
1: Of weeks. I wouldn't think so. So I I, I don't know. No, it, it it'll be interesting, and it, it'll be over tonight. I know there's some people that just absolutely hate it, but uh, it's going to be over tonight. Um, it was. Um, it it'll be it'll it'll it'll. it'll it's gonna be fun. Hopefully they win. Now, what time does it start tonight?
2: Six o'clock, I believe.
1: See, because yeah, I'm not gonna be able to see any of it really, because because even yesterday, Coach um, Matt Deggs was like, "Man, I really want to see that game," but we have a game scheduled, and we were they were talking about like maybe they could put it on the on the on the on the on the, on the screen on the scoreboard. Somebody was saying maybe you can get a little TV in the in the dugout because he's like he you know I want yeah. I want to see it. I don't think any of that's going to happen, but um, it will um, it, it, it'll it'll be fun and and, and hopefully uh, the USA can win. It was um, you know the lineup is really good. Now one thing that I did get to see last night is the guy that the Red Sox that went to the Red Sox. He looks good, and man, does he have a that the home run, the three run homer that he hit is it Yoshida? Um, the the three run homer he hit, man, you he it looked like a pesky pole swing to me. I mean, he just kind of lofted this long fly ball right down the line, a big time pesky pole swing. He might work perfect for the Red Sox.
2: Yeah, and I mean you know i guess i'd have to do a little more research to fig find a bigger sample size and dive into it but it it certainly feels like the guys who have made it to the majors from japan have been pretty successful in the league whether it's been pitchers or you've seen it of course with some position players as well um not a lot of guys feels like are are hyped up from over there and then come in don't work out
1: so well you know i mean they've, they certainly you're are you're gonna have examples both ways but right. a lot of them have done very well you're correct um the um he set the World Baseball Classic record for RBIs and he still got another game left to play, and so he he's done very well. So if I'm a Red Sox fan, I would at least be encouraged by that. Uh, I I didn't you know I've heard his name, but I had never seen him uh, until the this World Baseball Classic. He looks. One thing is so many of they just look so happy and looks like they all have great attitudes and they love they there's no question culturally they just respect the game so much so you, you you really appreciate all of that and um so um I mean I don't like the Red Sox and I'm just saying he he looks like he, he could be a good player for
2: them well and some of the TV numbers have been showing th- th- Japan I mean has been watching these games at an unbelievable rate I mean oh, more yeah. so than the most watched World Series game of all time so there's there's some talks that tonight is going to be the most watched baseball game of all time, as crazy as it sounds, just because oh, it's of very how big oh, it yeah. is in Japan. And then, of course, the U.S. will tune in to an extent. So it should be that'll be interesting to see those numbers come out as well.
1: Uh, it will, it, it should be really good. And, you know, there was, I mean, they showed some fans. Japanese fans, they look—they had a horror look on their face last night when they were behind late. Like they just look—I mean, it would have crushed them if they had lost. And uh, I was pulling for them to lose, and uh, but it just didn't quite work out. But you know, I remember Benji Gill as a player and as a coach. But I don't know—he seemed kind of cool. He's the manager of the um, of the Mexican team, and and he seemed like a cool guy. I like the way he handled himself. Yeah, in yeah, the games that I saw.
2: He had a comment too about the the game of baseball being bigger winners in this whole situation, and I I would kind of agree with that. So good good for the sport for uh, these two weeks.
1: All right, we've been putting this off for a long time, and after this timeout, we're we're, we're going to have to get into a little get back to the NFL draft because we're not really that far away. Like you know, we we, we when the, when the Saints traded casper and got a pick we talked about it for a few days and then it got put on the shelf but you know the sunbelt conference tournament and the ncaa tournament and baseball season starting and softball season and all that there's so many things that have been going on from a college perspective but uh we gotta we gotta we get we've hinted at it here and there but we want to get back to it and we'll do it after this timeout.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports
1: Station. Welcome back to Footnotes Kevin Foot on uh the game. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, hey good morning, Kev. Good morning, sir.
3: I think I need to get a life.
1: Okay, why is that?
3: I had a dream last night that the Saints traded up ahead of the Cowboys and took the running back from Texas.
1: Well, you know, I, I, that's one of the things I was going to discuss because w- w- one of the things that's starting to happen, and it, it seemed like he was more consistent early on, but, man, these mock drafts are all over the place because I've seen Bajan Robinson as high as, like, 11 or 12, and then I've seen him going all the way to the Cowboys in the late 20s, and I'm, and I'm thinking – if he go if 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 Bajon Robinson lasts to the Cowboys they they have and I'm not a trade up guy and I know all of us are sick of of the Saints trading up or most of us are and so a lot of the trading up is work and a lot of it hasn't it. but they've always been Sears catalog guys and if Bajon Robinson gets to 26 they they need or they need to trade up for him at 25
3: Man, look, Jerry Jones was breaking clipboards. It was, it, it, the dream was so real. It was like I was watching the draft. And then I woke up and I'm like, I actually think I could live with that. Like you said, we trade up and we don't want them to sit back one time or another. And look, to, to Loomis's credit, they've done what they do every year. They filled all their holes through free agency. Some of them are mid level free agents. Some of them are better mid-level free agents, but they fill their holes, so they go into the draft with a ton of flexibility. And I started—I'm look—they're comparing this kid to Ladainian Tomlinson, and I'm like, man, if he falls, and the Cowboys supposedly now that Emmitt's going to be gone, it's—it's a—they're kind of all in trading for Brandon Cooks, and the moves they've made, they're kind of—they're—they're they're making their run this year, and we're going to have to leapfrog them, but it's not that big of a leap. And well, no, but, but but honest? I woke up and I was kind of okay. Do I like it? And the more I've been oh. driving down the highway, I'm like, that would actually be really pretty cool.
1: No, it would be it would Kamara be incredible. I don't I don't I don't think it's going to happen because I think the Cowboys are going to trade up to get him.
3: I wouldn't be shocked if Philly takes him at ten. I'm just. That's now, me, but, no, uh, no,
1: I agree. I agree with that. It wouldn't shock me either. Now, the other thing that I could really see the the other guy that I could really see the Cowboys being high on is Michael Mayer to tie it in from from Notre Dame. I mean, they just lost Schultz and he would be a huge safety blanket to try to uh, to keep Dax interceptions down. So uh, they might be really high on Bajon. I'm sure they are. I mean, everybody's probably high on Bajon. Now, other, some people, like the Giants, don't really need a Bajon. But um, but I, I could see the Cowboys being really high on Michael Mayer, too.
3: Well, there's so many tight ends this year. It's like I could see teams waiting as well. And, look, they ended last hour talking about seeding. And um, the Saints, look, we were – frustrated and mad at the time cuz we didn't seem like we got much for him but they jettisoned what basically was an insubordinate headache and the guy can play I'm not going to take that away from him but the Saints had offered him a multi-year deal worth between 12 and 13 million a year he wanted 18 Philly believe it or not actually offered him a multi-year contract people are saying Philly just let him go when free agency first started they actually offered him about an 11 million dollar three-year deal and he wasn't happy with the guaranteed money he needs to fire his agent first and foremost but look he ends up settling playing for five million guaranteed possibly eight million if he hits all his incentives sometimes you just got to credit an organization for knowing when something simply isn't going to be workable and they jettisoned them when they could and got something for them so in retrospect, they look smarter than we wanted to give them credit for at the time. No, again, no way.
1: Well, we said at the time. It on
3: the field, not listening to coaches.
1: Like we, we said at the time, he was he, he wasn't listening, and that he you know I understood him going. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's like it's how many teams is this guy going to play for by the end of his uh, career? I'm laughing at Brandon Cooks,
3: the first guy since Eric Dickinson to be traded four times. And it it isn't like the guy isn't productive. But – and you really – I mean, with the Saints, he was a little diva, but you haven't really heard that in other teams. But, I mean, you, you start to wonder, what's up with this guy? And I actually think he landed in a good spot. I think Cowboys are a nice landing spot for him. But, again, I, I, I think we – we fail to give Loomis and ireland enough credit for some of the small things they do they're not afraid to take criticism when they think something's right and to them the locker room is sacred that we had a cancerous locker room not long ago and they worked real hard to clear it out and that's when we started really winning and being effective is when they got rid of all those bad seeds and i think they they want smart Team at players, and they they'll stick to that formula no matter what. And I think it's put them in a position to do what they're. The whole NFC South's gotten better. I, well, maybe with the exception of Tampa Bay, but I think the Falcons have gotten better. I think uh, what the Panthers are doing is making them a better club. So it, it's, we're the favorite, I think, in the South. But I don't think it's going to be as easy as some people are thinking uh, with the, with the other teams in the league improving like they have. So. It'll be fun. It's got to be that time of year, though. If I'm having dreams about this stuff, and I'm like, "Man, how sad is my life?" When I'm dreaming about drafting a running back in the first round. The only good part was we pissed the cowboy fans off. So, anyway, it's getting close. You're right, and it'll be interesting to see. It's going to be a long wait to 29, but there's no way I see them waiting that long. That's just not in their blood.
1: All right, thanks, Joey. I uh, God bless, no bro. welcome home. All right, thank you. I I really I really think Bijan Robinson is going to go early. I know I know we're talking about a running back, and he might end up slipping. And then we're and we're going to say, why in the world did you think a running back would go soon? It just he just has a um, he just like he's looks so dynamic, and I just I just think he's going to be going early. Now the other things again, you're starting to there's so many differences like for instance just this morning I was scanning a few of them I saw Miles Murphy go as high as 12 and then another draft had the Saints picking him and it's like man how can there be that big of 18 19 20 spot differences in these mocks so I you know again I go back to the same thing that I said a month ago or whenever we first started talking about the draft, the very first thing the Saints have got to establish, and they know this, we just don't know it, is do we want an edge rusher? Like, is an edge rusher an option? Because if it's not, it clears up so much. Like, if if an edge rusher is really not a a top priority for them, then it clears up. It opens up so many other avenues to draft in the first round because there's going to be a lot of edge rushers that are, again, there's just a ton of them that have first or second round grades. Now, the other thing that has come out, I don't know if y'all read that story, maybe last week, is that the hiring of Grantham as a defensive line coach, some people are speculating, is a change in philosophy for the Saints in that. The speculation is anyway hasn't really happened yet, but the speculation is that the Saints have always, you know, that hiring Grantham means that they're going to go with more small, smaller, faster defensive ends, edge rushers, not the big fit, not the Cam Jordan type of edge rushers, but the smaller, faster ones, like a Leonard Floyd kind of a guy. So that's what. The suggestion was, I guess we have to wait and see if it's gonna turn out that way, but it's interesting. Like, you got a head you got a head coach who's a defensive coordinator, so why would he change his philosophy? Again, I, I really I really think the defensive line last year was putrid. It was bad by for what it should have been. And um I just didn't think they played very well. They just didn't make a lot of plays, and maybe they're like, okay, we need to get get more playmakers. I, I just thought that was an interesting storyline to follow with the rest of free agency in the draft and just see how it goes if they actually draft. So that made me think, could they be drafting an edge rusher then to fit into what he does Could they be signing another undrafted free agent between now and the draft? I mean, another free agent between now and the draft that fits that. If it does, then it's like the problem is you still got to stop the run. And, um, you know, so I'm really kind of probably more torn and unconvicted about what I think the Saints should do at 29 and, and 41, and what I want them to do at 29 and 40, I, I'm just kind of torn there. I I don't really know. I know that they need to get. A, I still want to get another running back, even though they've got a really they signed a really good running back in in free agency. I still would like to get another one. And if it doesn't happen in the first round, you know that that's that's fine. I I, I just. I could be wrong. I just think if Robinson Robinson's going to be as good as a lot of people think he's going to be, then do you really pass on a special special player when you can get him? I mean, I I you kind of you got to I think you try you got to try to make that work if you can get him. And again, some people think you know, the Saints haven't signed Moro, but if they do, they don't seem to have a glaring needed tight end, but if you think Michael Mayer's that good, do you pass on him? The other guy that I was high on when this process started, he was like an early second-round pick, is Brian Johnson, the safety from Texas A&M, and I saw him in a mock go as high as 12 or 13. I'm like, 12 or 13? That's crazy. And safeties tend to drop, so I don't know if I believe that, but I would like to have him—big, tall, physical safety that could—I don't know—back up the safeties and maybe he could do some of that uh, Chauncey Garner Johnson stuff. And, and, and I, I still think I'm I'm intrigued by him and what what another safety could do for this defense in terms of just kind of making it a more well-rounded defense. So we got lots of things to discuss. And, again, what what are we, five weeks away? I think it's about five weeks away. That's not that long. So it's time. We'll take a timeout and be back.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the EVCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnote's Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We talked about the World Baseball Classic and kind of getting reconnected with our NFL Draft Talk, which has been on the shelf for about three weeks or so now. We haven't talked much at all about it uh, because so many other things are going on. But if you would like to talk college baseball, college softball, or anything else going on in the world of sports, certainly feel free. To give us a call in the game, hotline again, 706-0111, 706-0111. The the other question with the draft is, and we haven't really touched this on the show because, we, again, we've been so busy with other things. Um, The Jalen Carter situation. You know... If you buy that, defensive tackle is is the number one need for the Saints, and the ultimate the ultimate pick would theoretically be Jalen Carter. Like in the best case scenario, like if the Saints had the number one overall pick before this strange, you know, week or so where that that quarter had where. You know, he was implicated in the in the in the unfortunate death there with the traffic situation and, and and the accident, you know, apparently with some carelessness or whatever. And then he shows up way overweight and can't even do everything he's supposed to do at the combine. It was like, man, where is his focus right now? You gotta wonder about it. So how how far is he going to fall? And wouldn't this be something? Could you not see this happening? The Chicago Bears trade down to nine, get all those picks, and then draft a the guy that they would have drafted at one in Jalen Carter. Like, because of what's happened with Jalen Carter, he potentially could be there at nine and the Bears trade down and get the guy that maybe they were going to pick at one at nine. I mean, that I could see that happening. And, um, man, that would be a coup for the Bears. Yeah, the
2: thing with draft and, and, you know, one thing you were talking about, how the difference in in opinion of a guy for, you know, how you could – think of him 20 picks differently I think one thing it goes down to is all these teams have their own draft boards and we don't get to see those I I wish we could one year I wish everyone would release their own draft boards because I bet we'd be shocked at how low certain teams have certain guys and how high they have others. probably so yeah and so when you talk about a guy like Jalen Carter dropping we think as a you know just the way we think just because we have to as fans is like everybody now drops him this many spots in their rankings so he's going to go here but in reality, it depends how each individual team that's going to have an opportunity to take him feels about him. And so if one team, you know, even if the, you know, maybe there's 20, 29 out of the 32 teams go, ah, I don't like the way this looks and drop him. But the team that's drafting third loves him. Now, unless they get some intel that other teams are dropping on, they might take him at three. And so it just is going to depend with him on who in that top 10 feels comfortable enough to take him. I'm sure there's some teams now that no longer feel comfortable enough to take him. But does anyone take that chance? And if he falls all the way to nine, then Chicago's probably going to, I would imagine, if they have you know, were as high on him as the reports stated they were. Um, But then again, maybe they feel differently as well, and maybe they're going to go somewhere in the other direction. But the Bears, regardless of what happens in this draft, I think the Bears have positioned themselves well. Oh,
1: absolutely. Again, I I think that'd be a coup for them. If I was a Bear fan, I'm like, I'm sure they're all thinking that, or a lot of them that are really studying the draft and talking a lot about it, they're like, man, that guy got to fall. So, but again, I mean, if you're an old school Saints player, then fan, then then you have a very bad memory of trading up for a defensive tackle from Georgia and it becoming a complete disaster show. So, um, um, and so you don't want to, you, you know, you, you have that in the back of your mind. But no, if I I think that that's the first thing on the draft. The other guy that's starting to fascinate me some. Just from a a, a case study situation, I I don't have a real strong opinion about him one way or the other, is Will Levis. I've seen Will Levis picked as low as the 20s, and I've seen him as high as number one. Like, and and I think, to your point, that Levis is going to be a guy that there's probably a... Bigger difference of opinion from one team to another as any of these quarterbacks. I mean, I just like, I would think a pretty ginormous, I bet you some of them have them high and some of them have them really low compared to, you know, what what the m- basic perception is. And like, Kuyper is really high on him. And to Kuyper's point, and I agree, it's nice to see that someone understands that it's a team game, but. To Kuyper's point is, the reason why he played much better two years ago than he did last year is because his team was better. He had better offensive linemen, he had better wide receivers. So, a quarterback can't, to um, Giselle's point, can't throw the ball and catch it, like, he doesn't really do that. I know most of you think that he does, like like Patrick Mahomes. He actually blocks for himself, and he throws the ball, and he catches it. I know a lot of you actually really believe that. In a, in a, in, a, in an honest moment, you really think that, but but it doesn't happen, and so. What Kuyper's point is that everyone is overlooking how good Levis is because everyone's down on him because his team wasn't as good. He didn't play well. Well, the catch with that is if you get drafted then by a bad team with a bad offensive line, then it's probably going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if he happens to get drafted, see, if I'm Levis – now, just because you're drafted further down doesn't mean you're a better team all the time. Most of the time it does. But if I'm Levis, I don't know that I would be all that upset if I fell just a little bit to the middle. Because you might get drafted by a better team that just that has more pieces together to put around you. They just need a quarterback.
2: Yeah, the signing bonus money changes a lot, though. So I think sometimes guys just want to get paid in early on in their careers. But... Yeah, if you're thinking long term and you're a guy who's confident in where he is then I think the fit makes more sense. Look at the guys. Then we have we've been down that road before. Mahomes dropped. Now they trade up to get him, but they weren't they were a good team. Rodgers drops to what was a pretty good team. Like those things yeah. seem to work out for those guys
1: sometimes. It's uh Levis is interesting because he's big and physical. And um the whole Bryce Young Argument and debate and dilemma. I, I, I don't I don't know what to think of that. It, it has come out and it's being discussed quite a bit that Frank Wright has never coached a quarterback under six foot two in his career. That he believes and he doesn't like midget quarterbacks. And I get it, even though I'm a Saints fan, the Saints had a midget quarterback for 15 years and he's going to the Hall of Fame. So I'm you know I, I'm not saying. That you obviously, if anybody knows that, Saints fans know that it's possible, but that doesn't mean that now he's debating that and saying that it's not really true, but his, his the, the proof is in the pudding. in his career, he's the shortest quarterback he's ever coached is six foot two. So he obviously likes those kind of quarterbacks. And so um theoretically. Will Levis fits right into that more than a Bryce Young does. CJ Stroud fits right into that more than a Bryce Young does. So very interesting things to consider as we go into the draft. I just I just love. I love the World Baseball Classic, but not nearly as much as the NFL draft. I just love the NFL draft. I just think it's completely and totally fascinating. And we'll take a timeout and be back.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and and start-and-go ability. Like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints also known as Alvin Kamara. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. We've been talking about the NFL draft, and again, we have not discussed that much at all over the last three weeks or so, and it's it's time. One of the mock drafts I've seen recently had the Saints t- taking former Cajun offensive lineman Osiris Torrance in the first round, which theoretically could happen. So from a Saints perspective, there's a lot of thoughts that I have on that. One of them is you can't go wrong with offensive line. We've we talked about it over over the years on this show that the Saints have had more success picking offensive linemen in the first round historically than any other position. So it's just, it's futile to get upset about picking an offensive lineman in the first round. I know it's not, it's it's the least sexy. It's not what we all want. It's not what gets us all geeked up. Uh, we're going to – you know, fans are going to get way more geeked up for a quarterback or wide receiver. We're well, never going to pick a quarterback, so y'all, can, y'all need to get that out of your minds. But a, a wide receiver or a um, cornerback or a running back, and I'm the same way, but we, you should know that, you know, when you're sick, it's better to take medicine than eat candy. And, and you know – Wide receivers and running backs are candy, and offensive linemen are the medicine that you need to fix the root of the problem. And so, um, if they pick an offensive lineman, whether it's Osiris Torrance or whoever, it's it's gonna be silly to get angry about it and think it's not a good move. Now, because you know, we don't always think logically, there is part of me that's saying, Man you basically you're picking insurance for a year because i i really now look they might surprise me they might fit they might move on from andrews pete but i really don't think they're going to do that this year i think he's going to be with the saints i think at least one more year and maybe just one more year but even then you're just you would be taking him as an insurance policy now it's a it's a critically important insurance policy because we all know what can happen if you lose a starting offensive lineman. Things can, and suddenly, they would have a lot of depth on the offensive line if they drafted a, someone like an Osiris Torrance. The other side of that is, from a Cajun perspective, I mean, I think we all knew what the Cajuns lost when he left to go to Florida, but... They lost a guy that's gonna unless something weird happens or unexpected happens. I mean, it's not un, it's not impossible that he could go high in the second round and fall out of the first round. But most mocks don't have him falling out of the first round. But it's very possible that they lost a first round offensive lineman when he transferred, and they got injured. So it, it, it's it just reminds me how kind of naive and foolish it was for Cajun fans, and I guess I fell a little bit into that last year at the beginning to expect the offensive line to just pick up where it left off from the previous year when not only did they lose probably a first-round draft pick, they lost – a lot of other players, and they had a lot of injuries. Like I asked Coach Des in in a in a, one of their little spring practice press conferences last week, how different it is. And his first response was a lot. He just laughed, like the difference where their offensive line is, the people that they have on the offensive line in spring practice right now compared to a year ago where you know they had the they had three of them leave plus others got hurt and so they would it was it it was not even comparable to what it was right now so i think we i think the people who were overly critical early on um, we're probably just being a little naive as far as how much they lost on the offensive line.
2: I mean, and they also lost Max Mitchell, a fourth-round draft pick, to yes. the draft last year. So, like, you had multiple NFL draft picks that departed. And then, yeah, I mean, I, the problem with last year was always the expectations and not the results. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it was unbelievable to look at back. It, the best offensive line in program history is what they had to re- replace most of.
1: And then they had, like, King McGowan got hurt. He's back, at least for now. He's healthy. You know, they they hope he can continue. And they just had a lot of other backups, like Bryant Williams got hurt. It was You know, he probably wasn't going to play very much, but he could have been a, a backup. And, you know, Landon Burton was hurt most of the year, the backup center. And so they just – the depth was totally depleted, and it's much better right now. But when, it just struck me that when I saw – a mock that had the Saints picking Osiris, and I'm, you know, he's from Louisiana. I can remember his, you know, you knew he was special when you started hearing coaches say the things that they were saying about a fr- a true freshman offensive lineman because coaches tend to not be real, you know, use a lot of hyperbole because they don't want to over. You know, they, they, they go more on, most coaches are a little more on the on the conservative side. Like, let's let this guy prove himself. Before he even played a game, they were raving about this guy and how focused he was and how athletic he is. And it was, uh, it, it's not a surprise that he's in the situation he's in right now after the way they talk, but just gave a little perspective for sure. All right, one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned.
0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Wow. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper, Laf- Ca- Upper Lafayette. Fco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium thirty-two point three one thirty-three on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. I am um, glad to be able to see t- Sam Hill tonight, the Cajuns. Uh, or at least the expected starting pitcher is Sam Hill. Obviously, I don't know how many, you know, it's like there's an old phrase or like what in the Sam Hill are we doing? Or You know, it's something that I don't know where that came from. I even tried to look it up, and I still don't understand. Like Sam Hill was like this um, – entrepreneur he had a lot to do with building railroads out to the Pacific I mean I didn't know any of this till I looked it up so but but what does that have to do with that that's old slang term I I don't I don't know but um it's you know I I I didn't he pitched he's pitched it like twice I believe but I I didn't see the game and so I I'm anxious to see what what uh, he's capable of doing. And obviously if you listen to Coach Deggs, he thinks he has a chance to be a midweek starter, maybe even a weekend starter later on in the season. So we'll see. Could be a, a big uh moment as far as that goes. Yesterday's presser, he he you know, he said that Blake McGee he will not be pitching again this week. So that doesn't sound good. Um yeah, the tone didn't sound. Yeah, good it, it that didn't sound good, and so if you know, even if he's healthy by next week, you know, you figure it's going to take a, a couple, one or two more out, kind of where you spoon feeding outings before you actually make him a starting pitcher again. So it will be, uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that plans plays out, but. He also said that Dylan Toyd is not going to be there for at least two or three more weeks. He's going to be out at least two or three more weeks, which is not good. Uh, the, the important thing with him is that they need to they need to get him back for the stretch drive because he, on paper, is the most important reliever in the bullpen for the Cajuns. I'm I got I I, I don't look. What Blake Marshall has done so far has been incredible because it's not that he wasn't on the radar; he was on the radar at the beginning, but he had never done it at this level before you know the it wasn't that people didn't think he had the potential, but you still gotta do it. It's a little scary. It's a little scary that his last few outings. You know, this whole it's kind of like the Mex what Mexico did last night. If you keep putting people on base, um, if you keep putting people on base, it's going to come back to bite you at some point. Like eventually, like this idea, he's it's happened several times with Blake. Like he'll he'll put two runners on nobody out get a double play boom get the next guy out out of the, everything's great and yeah if it works out that way but you can't always count on that double play i mean sometimes that ground ball is going to get through a hole again I, I just i'm i'm not close to being what a, a result minded person does like, when I watch a game, some like in, in baseball, if you, get, if you get a ground, if, if, if it's a double play situation and you hit a ground ball that gets through the hole, I'm, I'm happy with the result, but I'm not happy with how it happened. Because to me, any ground ball in that situation is a double play ball. You just get lucky if it finds a hole or you don't get lucky if it goes at someone. Um, and so I'm a little worried about more. I'd like to see him have not put the first two guys on quite so often. I'm not a big fan of closers especially putting two guys on and then getting out of it. That can kind of um, get rid of a lot of fingernails for fans, so hopefully he, he chooses a different path there. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. How are you, sir?
4: Oh, uh, I'm feeling good now. I got a question for you, man. Do, do you have any any secret ties that we don't know about the uh, the Rosa, the Team USC's manager, Because, man? Did you hit him up uh, last week after they played that useless game? Man, they've been like another ball, uh, completely different ball club, man.
1: I know, and he listened to me. He, he he got rid of stupid Jeff McNeil, and he moved Anderson to second, and they played great ever since. I mean, like I always say, when they listen to me, it works better. I try to Same
4: thing. Same thing with Paul, man. He needs to start listening to you. I keep telling you, you are good. Cool. Keep telling Paul that, that you are cool, man. Now, I haven't really looked at uh, many mock drafts yet. Uh, where they got that guy, uh, B.
1: John Robinson, going to? Oh, I've seen him everywhere from like 10 or 12 to 26. I, I'm, I mean, I've seen people have him at the Saints getting him at 29, but I don't believe he's going to fall that far. Yeah. As
4: long as the Eagles don't get him at which y'all think that y'all gave him, because, I mean, if they get a good running back like that, man, you might as well end into the the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? I mean, now, if my Cowboys can get him, which the best day of my life happened last week when we finally got rid of Z. Gally. I've been calling for it for a time. Don't now with his stupid crop and what he and, and all that BS, you know. But, man, if the Cowboys can, get, can somehow trade up and get him, I, I think we I mean, even without him, I think we're going to still be a good team this year. You know, with the pickup of Cooks and uh. You know uh, what's his name? That,
1: that DB from uh, Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, Gilmore. Now the the pro the issue with the Cowboys is there are three areas that I think they could go to really help their team, and they're all they're probably going to have an elite player at all three areas, even if they don't trade up. Like I think they need a running back. I think they need a tight end and i think they need to to beef up their offensive line better. So i think all of that is going to be in play when they pick even if they don't trade up. So i think the cowboys in a good are in a good spot. They just have to figure out which one they want to do.
4: Now a guy that i, I i've been kind of high on in the draft is uh and he ain't been getting a lot of um recognition as the little running back from uh Kansas State uh what's his name? I can't remember. But i kind of i kind of uh, the Big 12 title game with uh, Kansas State and CCU. And, man, that dude just runs our man. I mean, he's small. He kind of reminds me of a, uh, of a, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Darren
1: Sproles, you know I mean? oh, he's that small? He hard stuff, you know? I mean, I wouldn't be mad if the
4: Cowboys got him and I get this thing in the third round, you know, if he was still there. You know what I to me you know, but, uh, but, yeah, man, we shall see, man. But at least you know you ain't you ain't uh, pulling your hair out uh, like you were last year for the NFL draft, worrying if the Saints are going to go QB in the first round. You know? Yeah, <laughs>
1: we don't have to worry about all that silliness. They were driving me crazy. By the way, it doesn't sound like you're a World Baseball Classic guy, but as a Red Sox fan, have you seen your sheet? He's, he, he's, he just set he broke the all-time World Baseball Classic record with RBIs in the tournament, so he's looking pretty good.
4: Yeah, and I kind of been uh, following, you know, what the Red Sox been doing this spring training. Man, they've been they've been doing good this spring training, even though it's you know spring training and everything. You know, I mean, with that lineup they got, they ain't got really any flashy name players, you know, besides Bogart, uh, you know, or uh, Dev or whatever the guy's name is that we still got, you know. Uh, I think it's Devers, but uh, we got uh, Turner from the from uh, Los Angeles. You know, but we shall see. You know, I mean my my over under uh, take is about how long before Chris Dell gets hurt again. I give him probably ten games
1: and they'll be hurt again. It you does know, like seem to them. happen, yes, it does seem to happen. All right, take care. All
4: right, buddy.
1: Thanks for taking my call. Um Verdugo got the RBI single for the Red Sox guy. He actually um I had him on my fantasy team last year. He did okay and ended up with him again this year. I, I wasn't planning on it, but the pickings got a little slim. Man, man, the outfield the outfield depth in Major League Baseball is terrible right now. I mean, we we haven't the way everything went, fantasy baseball didn't go well. But uh in terms of talking about it, but I'm just saying we, we ended up, I hate holding drafts early, and we ended up doing it Saturday for a lot of different reasons. And um, the depth in the outfield in Major League Baseball is astonishingly bad. And, and really, even at in first and third base, like, there's just, I mean, I can remember where there were 9, 10, 11, 12 front line first basemen. And and there's like two right now in all of Major League Baseball. Like there's just there's just the corner infield and the outfielders are just there's just not a lot of depth. And it seems like we're loaded with mega stars. And, and there's just there's just not a lot of like high. Like that second tier or lower that first tier, guys. The first tier is just such a small number at those positions. It's weird. All right, let's go back to uh, the game hotline. Hello.
5: Dennis, well,
6: can, Boyd. You have a good day.
1: All right. Got to like all can was good. Um Interesting. Anyway, he wasn't great, but he was good, and he was he was interesting. Twenty three, maybe I'd have to look it up. But um, I I don't. We we're gonna talk more about actual major league baseball because wait, what is today? We're nine days away from the season opener of major league baseball, so we'll talk more about it next week. I mean, on paper, the Red Sox look like. It's not going to be too good. Really, it, it doesn't look like it's going to be too good. But are they really going to stay down again? I don't know. There, there, there's a lot of interesting teams in uh, in Major League Baseball, and we'll talk more about that next week. Kind of some of the I, – I still say, and I I haven't looked at it close enough to to make my predictions for this season or where everyone's going to finish, but – Between the Braves, the Mets, and the Phillies, I just think one of those teams is not going to be what what everyone is thinking or most people think it's going to be. I just kind of think that the Phillies are not going to be able to follow, that the Phillies are not really going to be able to follow up on what they did last year. We'll see. And, of course, you could argue the Mets. They already lost their clothes. Uh, I don't know. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros are you fluent in footlish not to worry we're here to help with the footlish dictionary benedict arnold's benedict arnold's now an nfl expansion team that stole a bunch of saints players and coaches when first created also known as the carolina panthers now back to the man with his very own language kevin foot and footnotes
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, the game hotline, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. Well, you heard Dawson tell us earlier that the Saints signed a free agent, defensive back Lonnie Johnson, who's probably just a special teams guy. Justin Evans, as you remember, kind of was a little bit of a project. He had been hurt a few years, was, I want to say, maybe a second-round pick of the Yucks four or five years ago, whenever that was. And he got off to a good start last year. And then I thought he really faded down his shut. Well the Eagles signed him. What's with the Eagles getting all these Saints? Is that I don't know, there's some sort of like connection there between the Saints and the Eagles. But um I don't I don't know that Lonnie Johnson's gonna do play as much as even Justin Evans did last year. But um, just probably another free agent uh, guy that they're signing to help the special teams. I would think they also signed a linebacker earlier in the week we hadn't really talked much about. Again, another guy is probably at best a special teamer, but you need those guys. Um, you know, special teams is a major. Like It's the thing that has been talked the least about that's the most important. The 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 biggest drop-off last year for the Saints really was special teams. I mean, even if with all their other issues, if their special teams were as good as they, they had been the last three years, uh, you know, I still think they make the playoffs. I mean, they got to get their special teams back to being good. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Foot. Howdy, sir.
5: Uh, do you know what's the best way to spend six dollars what's that you can go buy a one gallon can of corn at wherever Rouse's is or you know wherever you want to shop super one or whatever you get a whole gallon of corn for six bucks what that's the best deal in the world.
1: Well, it is a good one. I agree. I could utilize I, I,
5: it. I mean Foot. I started baiting my fishing lines with corn. I caught a twenty two pound catfish on six kernels of corn. Man. The best the best brim bait in the world, Sakala bait, is just a little kernel of corn, Foot. You know, hey, I'm starting to put corn in everything, Foot. Oh, that's you the know, thing you, you do. You, you, I'm you're driving me crazy.
1: Yes. I like it. Huh? Good move. Well, it's. Uh,
5: it's but I never fished now, with it. I question. need to think
1: about that. I never fished with corn before.
5: Hey, try it, foot, on a brim, eighteen inches deep, man, with a little weight. You put in a cork, fish it in a little private pond. I guarantee you catch all the darn brim you want. Hey, foot, did uh, did you give Mando to uh, the us a shout out for breaking the world record again?
1: I did not. Go ahead and do feet, it. Twenty
5: feet five inches, man. Now, that when is, did he do that? I, I,
1: it, when did he do that? I did not hear that.
5: It's about a month ago. It's okay. Eight foot, it defies physics. A man is not supposed to be able to run fast enough to plant a pole and go 20 feet, five inches high. It, oh, it, it, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's incredible what he does. physics.
1: Well, I think all those pole vaulters, you know, all them, all them field, I mean, they, them people are crazy. Like, the, I still think the three. Every time I even think about the 300 hurdles, my back just hurts because, like, I couldn't even (laughs) think about doing something like that. The 300 hurdles.
5: Hey, hey. Hey, Foot, I will never forget the day we were at Fat Pats and you devoured them two big hamburgers.
1: Oh, yeah. Double meat shawls is two of them. Oh,
5: my God. Foot, you were like a machine.
1: Oh, yeah, and Big Dave was
5: dancing. Big Dave was dancing. Now, uh, uh, let's see what I wanted to tell you is my son is coming back from Las Vegas to live over here, Foot. And uh, you know he 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 kind of got lonesome for home. I think you've met my son before. You know the young one, a uh, hey, Foot. He's now twenty-seven years old. Does that make you feel old?
1: Well, a lot makes me feel old. But that, that well, how about that, Russ?
5: Yeah. Hey, seriously, how old is Russ now?
1: He's twelve.
5: Did you ever think that that, that you'd have a you know uh, seriously, uh time just flies, Kevin.
1: Yes, it does, yes okay. sir. Okay.
5: I remember I remember the time uh uh you told me you came back home and your water heater had popped, had busted on the second floor of your house. You remember that and oh. it flooded? Yes. That was that was horrendous. Yeah. And uh why are we bring up bad a stuff Sicilian right now day in honor of your buddy here in Abbeville this coming Saturday? The Peter Piazza honorary Saturday is gonna be this Saturday at the Sicilian Festival here in Abbeville foot. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, okay. And and guess what, Foot? You can eat all you want for ten bucks. All the all the pasta, all the muffaladas, all the pizza you want ten dollars. Foot.
1: Well, I what? I could I could certainly get my money's worth, but I still remember you would Peter's get face.
5: Triple your money's worth.
1: <laughs> I, I I still I still remember the look on Peter's face the first time I told him I put corn on my spaghetti. It did not go oh. over well.
5: You, hey, hey Peter, it's it's it, 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 I, I mean, foot, it's like you slapped him, probably. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, he was he was very offended.
5: Yeah, yeah. You know, Peter's mother was my godmother, and Peter's dad gave me my first job in the oil field. All right. Wait, hold on, I got one more. Do you know that Peter's dad is the one responsible for getting Carlos Marcelo back into the country after <laughs> he was deported? I've
1: heard many of the Carlos Marcelo stories before. Yes, I've heard that. <laughs> From Peter? Yeah, 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 yes, I have. <laughs> hey,
5: Peter, hey, 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 put, seriously, don't you like it when I call or bring up these old memories? <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Yes, sir. All right, you keep catching fish with corn. All right, put, All right put, put. take care. Peter, for those of you who may not remember, was the uh, was the photographer, the advertiser all the years that well, maybe not all the years, but most of the years that I worked at, at the advertiser before moving over. So that's who he's referring to. But uh, he's from Abbeville as well as Rocky's from Abbeville. So that happens. And one of the things I've I've noticed about a lot of people from me Parish is most of them know how to cook pretty good. So I um. I certainly like eating. I, I'm not a big cooker, but I'm a, I am love to eat. So I've um, eaten many of good meals from people from Abbeville, from Vermilion Parish, and we're going to be talking to one of those uh, in the next segment. Our old friend, Mr. Bobby Novo, he's from Abbeville as well, and he's cooked many good meals over the years. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey,
6: Foot, how are you doing?
1: Pretty good, sir. How are you?
6: Good. This is my first time calling to you. I'm, I'm normally calling early in the morning, but uh, I'm out and about on the town. All right. I wanted to ask you, you know, I, I, I'm going to look the other way on the corn, on the spaghetti, but, you know, that's okay. I'll look the other way. But uh, I, was, I, I, went, uh, I went, after work, I went to uh, a Mexican restaurant, and when I went in, they had the world classic on Japan and, and Mexico. Mexico was winning three to nothing. Right. As soon as I sit in the seventh inning, as soon as I sit down, Japan hit a three-run homer. Like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And then, you know, they, they were up five to four. I leave, get to my house. They lost at six to five in the ninth inning.
1: Yeah, it was sickening. It's
6: like, you know, it's like the, the Little League World Series, Mexico can't get past Japan. Now it's the adults
1: well, well Japan, yeah I it, it was I was pulling and I and I found out in the studio here there's no hemispheric loyalty here in the studio you know it, he was pulling for for Japan but but uh but no I was pulling for Mexico I, I I thought I thought yeah. they would win um well I was hoping they'd win I didn't think they were gonna win but when they got the lead and then when they took the lead again I said well maybe they're gonna do it but Giovanni Gall- gallegos the um you know, he's been a closer at times. He's a setup guy now for the Cardinals. He did not get it done. He he did an all he had an awful outing. Oh man. Yeah, Mex- that was sick. Of Mexico's him. gonna be kicking himself in the in the in the butt. Absolutely. But I'm telling you, you need to try corn on spaghetti if you've never had it.
6: Well, I'll take your word for it. I mean, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, it's like it's like when you used to uh, mix corn with rice and gravy.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You got to do that. And peas and beans and
6: Oh, no peas. No, no oh, peas. Oh, it all it all but, goes uh, in the
1: rice and gravy.
6: Oh, yeah. That's good. But well, I just wanted to get your take on that Mexico and that Yeah, I, I was
1: kind of disappointed. Hey, I, I, was, I was pulling from Mexico. Go ahead. I was disappointed. I oh, was you, pulling from Mexico.
6: How do you think the United States is going to fare against Japan?
1: Well, I'm a little worried because, again, the United States have very good lineup, but their pitching is not as – they don't have their best pitchers pitching. So I'm a little worried about what's going to happen after about the fourth inning. But, I um, I'm hoping they can score. Maybe Mike Trout can beat a great Mike Trout and get a big hit. We'll see. Yeah.
6: I'll tell you what, uh, uh, last thing. Uh, a friend of my, a friend of my wife that she graduated with, and now she's a friend of mine. Uh, her father is in the Japan Hall of Fame in baseball, Mr. Bake.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I, I knew him. I I knew him well. Yes, yeah. yeah. I went I went to school with Mich- Michelle. Uh, his daughter was my age, so we went to high school together.
6: Well, Michelle and my 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 wife Sandy were were good friends.
1: Yeah. All right. So, well. Try some corn on your spaghetti and pull for the USA tonight. We'll be good. All right. You have a good one. You too. Take care. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Talk to Bobby Nova. He can tell us a lot about good eating and cooking on the other side on the game.
0: This is Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us our good friend, Mister Bobby Nova. How are you, sir? I'm good this morning. How are you? Well, we were just talking. Your old buddy Rocky Russo just called, and we was talking about people who cook good in in Verme and Parrish, And you know, I thought about you.
7: Well, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to hear that conversation. <laughs> It was probably very interesting.
1: Uh, yes. All right. So, um, Cages went to Hattiesburg last week. It was, um, you know, I thought it was, I expected them to sweep, and they did, but there were a few interesting moments during, it and then they, like Coach Glasgow said in yesterday's presser, that they, that they seemed to handle it very well when they got put in I, rough
7: situations. I also expected them to sweep, but. Uh, in a different I guess in a different way than they than what they really did, you know. Uh game one and game three got a little got a little hairy there at times, you know, so uh which which probably, you know, at the end of the day was a good thing for the Cajuns.
1: Well, it's one thing to be down like four to one early and then you score a bunch of runs and you win eight to four but when you're down two to one in the sixth inning, then things get a looking, you know, feel a little more hairy, and then they turn it out winning that game by more
7: runs than they won the other one. Yeah, you know, sixth inning down two to one. Certainly, the last thing you're thinking is a run rule. Um, you know, the uh, Southern Miss pitcher kind of had the uh, the Cajun hit us handcuffed in that game. And I think you know she had she threw 128 pitches on Saturday, and then. Um, you know, I think she was at 103 pitches going into the sixth inning, and, and you know, maybe she ran out of gas there. So, you know, the the, the rain on Friday may have uh, turned out to benefit the Cajuns because, you know, otherwise she would have pitched Friday and Sunday. And, you know, she, she handled the Cajuns pretty well uh, for the most part in both of those games, you know.
1: All right. So, after those three games, I don't I don't feel like we have a any I don't think we're any closer to kind of figuring out all right, what's the long term solution at first base? What's the long term solution? Well we might have at first base, but at third base and, and and these positions that have been a question mark throughout or, or, or am I missing the boat here? Well,
7: Kevin, I told y'all before the season last year and and I tell y'all again, y'all just never believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you don't believe me, but you know, third base is going to be you know you're going to probably you're going to you see Stormy there sometimes and and Vic there sometimes, and I really believe you know his plan is to try to develop Kylie Griffin at third base, so you'll see her there at times also.
1: But, you know,
7: I don't you know. I really believe you're going to see those three kids at third base until the end of the season, and that's just my opinion. Um, what,
1: what do you think about – because I, I think it's obviously very important to have a shortstop, uh, to have an elite shortstop. If you plan on going defensively, if you plan on you know trying to win regionals and get into super regionals and hopefully make it to the World Series, I think that's tough to do without a really consistent – defensive shortstop. So do you kinda see and or support the idea of just playing Vasquez there and then pinch hitting for her when you need to?
7: That's probably the plan. You know, I you know, I had a you know talking to Coach Glasgow over the weekend and they, they, they really like Alexa Langler's at second base and they don't like the idea of, of moving her back and forth. So, you know, I think we're gonna see Alexa, you know, just stay at second. And then you you may see uh, Kylie Griffin get some starts at short, and then bring um, you know Sissy in uh, late in the game, or start Sissy and and see you know you could you could pitch hit for her actually twice if you you know depending on if she comes to the play with runners on base and you know the situation of the game you could uh, you know you can pitch hit for her early in the game and reenter her and then you could pitch hit her her, once again late in the game if she comes up in a situation where you know you feel like you really need to pitch it there and then you know figure out what you're going to do defensively for the rest of the game at shortstop
1: but i also think like look this weekend I, you know it's it's baseball or softball so you never really know what's going to happen but, but all signs point towards Appalachian State not being at the same level as the Cajuns uh you know they they play where it's cold, and they're not probably as ready right now as the Cajuns are, especially with the 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 schedule the Cajuns have played against. And they only got one game in last week because of the bad weather. And so in games like that, I say don't – if they get leads, I say don't pitch it for her. Let, let, let her hit so she can get some more experience and hopefully get to where uh, she can make some progress offensively.
7: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, you talk about App State, I mean, I, I can't, I, I don't understand why the conference schedules home conference series in Boone in in March because they, they never get those series. I mean, there was one year we didn't even, we didn't even make the trip to uh, App State, if you remember. Yes. Uh, it snowed and we didn't even make the trip out there. So that was three games that they didn't even play in the conference. And, uh, Seems like they would make out state travel, you know, in March, and some of those teams, like you know, James Madison and and Marshall, you know, in March because you know you, you can send them to South Al and Troy and to and to Lamson Park and in the early part of the season, and then have their home series later in in the season. To me, that makes sense. But anyway. So you know, do, do you think the Phillies and, do it would make sense? Do you
1: think the Phillies and the Yankees would agree to play all their first couple series on the road every year?
7: No, but 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 they've always. I mean, in the major leagues, you know, you you mentioned that to me off the air when we spoke yesterday. But those games are always made up. You know, at some point during the season, there, they, you know, they can make those games up. That's not the case always in the Sun Belt Conference. So you have teams that play 24 conference series, and you got teams that play 21 because they schedule home conference series in March. But that makes sense to
1: me. That, uh, I I get it. No, I'm with you on both accounts, and I guess there, you, you, you pointed out there there is a difference between the two, but I, I'm not a big fan of doubleheaders. I used to be, but I'm not anymore pitching-wise, so I prefer not to do that, but I understand that point. All right, so I mentioned first base, and, Lauren Allred, I mean, it's unbelievable what she's done, and I mean, you can't really say it's still, I guess, technically a small sample size. But from what you've seen, it look it seems like we're not getting fooled by the small sample size here. How do you see
7: that? Uh, You know, I totally agree with that. She, you know, she she played against Texas. She played against Florida, and. It doesn't. It doesn't really seem to matter to her what kind of pitching she's seeing. She just even when she makes out, she's uh, she's squaring up on everything. And um, you know, I think uh, I think what I saw, she had maybe 38 at bats, if I'm not mistaken. So you know, it's becoming. It's, it's starting to become a much larger sample size, and she's she's kind of proven that she's uh, she's able to uh, to to hit just about any kind of pitching that she sees, and that's very encouraging for a kid like that, you know, and um, in the fall, you know, I, you know, when coach Kevin, uh, Mars and I were talking and, you know, he said, man, I really like that kid's swing, but you know, we, 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 weren't really sure if she was ready. And then when she got her opportunity, she just ran with it and made the most of it. And now she's put herself in a position where you can't take her out the lineup, at least, you know, at least in the short term.
1: So, you know, for years and years, every time, like, before Coach Glasgow got here and Coach Mike was here and he would say, oh, we're trying to have a pitching staff and I would just laugh and shake my head and say, we we talk all this stuff in the preseason it always goes down to one or two pitchers. Well, that is not the case this year. Like, the Cajuns legitimately have a five-pitcher rotation and when I – not a true rotation, but like they – In competitive situations, they have used all five pitchers. Like, none of them are, like, just mop-up pitchers. They've used all five of them in close games multiple times this year. Do you think there's another staff in the country that has that, that does that? No, I
7: don't. You know, me and Cody were talking about that uh, Sunday off the air. And, you know, I said, Cody, you realize we started in a a three-game conference series, we started three different pitches that give you a chance to win. And I know there's not another team in the Sunbelt that can do that. I don't know if there's another team in the, in the country that can do that. So, you know, uh, I've never seen it before. It, you know, since I've been involved with Raging Cajun softball, starting three different pitchers in a three-game conference series, that's, that's kind of unique
1: and uh you know again it's not that they're all all americans but none of them you you all when they all go out there you feel like you got a good chance of, of them being successful so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and typically towards the end of the year you start narrowing in on the girls that have done the best or in baseball the guys who have kind of the hottest and doing the best but we'll see how how that how that plays out all right so uh, you don't have you. Unlike baseball, you don't have any midweek games, and we'll get it going uh, on at six o'clock on Friday against App State. Hope to see you there.
7: I'll, if you are there, I'll be. You'll see me. All I'll right. be there. Hopefully, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so,
7: yeah. Big weekend this weekend. Uh, alumni weekend. You know, gonna have a bunch of uh, former Raging Cajuns attending the games this weekend. So that'll be fun to uh, get to see some of those young ladies uh, again. So. Uh, Come on out and support the Cajuns and get to visit with some of the, uh, the past players. Thanks, Bob. All right, my friend. See you soon.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been when they hit it to you
1: and you're in the major leagues you catch the ball. That's the way that works.
0: Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. All right, so we don't talk on this show very much at all about women's basketball for whatever reason. I, we just haven't. But one thing that has happened in this women's NCAA basketball tournament that I think is a good thing, and will certainly increase um, my interest in the sport, is if it starts to display some depth. And Stanford getting beat as a number one seed, Indiana getting beat as a number one seed, I think that's great for the sports. I, I don't really... Have any opinions or likes or dislikes for the two programs? It doesn't matter what the names of the schools are. I just, I just think that over the years, women's the women's tournament bracket is too chalky, and it's just not very interesting because it's so chalky. and And I think that is a a great thing, and and hopefully. It can happen more over the years, and I think would make the women's side of the NSA tournament a lot more interesting to follow. Now, you could argue that on the men's side this year, it's a little too non-chalky. I mean, it's just it is just wacko. Um uh, and I certainly understand if somebody feels that way, but I think it's fun. Now, again, obviously the team you're pulling for, there's always seems to – there's, like, an exception, like, you know, if you're a UL fan or an LSU fan or you pull for whatever school. I mean, none of that stuff matters. Like, right now the Astros are chalk. So, in that case, I love chalk. But I'm, I'm if it's your team, it's different. But I'm talking about anybody else – scenarios other than the team that, you know, dominates your thoughts most of the time – uh, I think chalk is bad, and I'm not 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 a big fan of that. Um, all right, so a couple of interesting notes. Again, nine days away from the start of the major league baseball season. Michael Brantley. I don't know if anybody's shocked by this. Is they're saying is not going to be ready for the season opener. He better be ready for soon thereafter. Like I love Brantley, but. I, a year, You know, I didn't think he was ever going to play for the Astros again. They decided to re-sign him. They better have a pretty good idea that he's going to be able to play. Like, why is he not ready?
2: I mean, he's never been ready. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, it, it does get to a point where if enough of these injuries stack up, I've been, I'm not worried, I'm not worried. If enough of them stack up, then, yeah, you're going to have some concerns about finding some production in the lineup, but... um, I think if you get if you get a hundred games out of Michael Brantley, you probably feel pretty decent about it. At the but who's going to play all these other? Like you can't. P- well, that's what I'm saying. You're going to have to find some production from some guys you're not expecting it from. I think at some point, which they've done a good job of doing in the past. So to their credit, but um, there's probably a name we're not talking about that's going to have a significant number of at bats this season based on how many guys are going to be down the first couple of months. I wanted
1: this guy. I wonder if this guy Durden, who who has just been. You know, he. You know, they really kind of on the fast track and he's not very old. He doesn't have a lot of experience in pro baseball, but he's having this great spring. Like, I don't I can't believe they're going to let him make the club. But but maybe with these injuries, he he might early on. Somebody's going to have to. Whether it's Leon or whoever, now El Pedro Grande supposedly is going to make his spring debut on Thursday, so that's going to give him what three or four games played before they they start the major league season. Uh, I guess that's good. Another interesting note: Vaughn Grissom apparently is not going to make the opening day roster. For for the Braves, you know, he was the guy that was supposed to be their starting shortstop after Dansby Swanson left in free agency for the um, for the Cubs, and so um, of course they're going to, you know, the guy that replacing him is a guy who's been a, a a a starter in the major leagues with the Brewers and in Orlando Orsia. So I mean, it's not like. You know, you're playing somebody who's not been there or somebody's totally unproven. He's not an elite player, but he's been the starter in the major leagues before, so he'll probably do a representative job. But um just I think a lot of people thought the Grissom thing was gonna happen and and now it's at least he's he's not gonna start the year, it doesn't look like, uh with the Braves. So just a couple of kind of spring training notes there. I don't look if if Brantley is not ready for a month or two or three weeks and then plays the rest of the year, I'm fine with it. I mean, I, I, I'm good with that. But, I mean, look, the Astros haven't done anything in a long time to make me think that I shouldn't trust them. I mean, you know, they're this is like the most incredible run. I mean, you could make the argument it's like the most incredible run in Major League Baseball since like the 50s, and even then – you know, it was so much easier for the good teams to be good then than it is now. So, uh, so look, there's no reason to doubt them, but I'm just wondering what they're th- – like you would think they had to have pretty good intel to convince themselves to not sign any of these other guys and go with Brantley as much as they like him and he likes them. Um, you know, they had to have something to make them believe that he can play in at least the majority of the game. So hopefully – that, that happens soon because without Altuve there, then you know Mauricio was theoretically the fourth outfielder. I don't know who that's going to be now. We'll kind of wait and see. Nine days away. We'll um, get more information as it gets closer, I'm sure. Appreciate the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.